On the Block, On Demand. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It takes two to make a thing go right. Tyus has two decisions he can make. Stay in the draft or stay at Syracuse. What will it be? We are on Tyus' watch, thanks to the uh, ever-vigilant Paulie Sibilia updating me during the break. Still nothing. When there is something, we will let you know. Kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, Space Bands. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. How about you guys? We ain't found. Hit me with that fancy. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. I told you guys to comb the desert. You hear me? Comb the desert. Fantastic. I don't even know where to start with this because even in this day and age, things are weird in 2018. Okay, there was a story today, not from The Onion, not from the latest plot twist in The Americans, a real story that happened today that a Russian journalist faked his own murder in order to basically expose those who were trying to kill him. Okay, Roseanne, that happened, made some Twitter comments, and five minutes later, Bye bye right? Things get weirder every day. Certainly some things the 45th president does. Yay, democracy. Uh, let's just not say out of the playbook, right? It's We're in a weird world, okay? So let's apply that to sports. Brian Colangelo. Now, according to The Ringer, and there are some, if you, you have to read the story, I would spend way too much time on this kind of outlining for you if I did it now, but... The Cliff's Notes version, the Ringer did an investigation that Brian Colangelo, general manager of Philadelphia 76ers, had some burner Twitter accounts, which let's state from the get-go here, that's a pretty common thing. There's coaches, there are executives, there are people in sports that have Twitter accounts basically to monitor their own players, prospects they may draft. In the case of college coaches, of course, it's their players, right? That's not uncommon. Brian Colangelo, if you read this story, kind of took that to the next level, criticizing his own players, criticizing people that criticized decisions made about the Philadelphia 76ers, disclosing injury information. He basically became an Internet commenter on these burner accounts that the timing of which was interesting. When the reporter for The Ringer informed the Philadelphia 76ers of two of the accounts that he knew about, not even mentioning Three others, they all were shut down. Like, you read the story, you look at the timing of it, you look at what those accounts were saying, where they came from, was Sam Hankey, trust the process, perhaps the source on this story. This is bananas that an NBA executive would do this, and it just goes to show you the loaded gun that social media is, okay? I know I'm not sticking to sports here, but it's an example of what social media can cost you. Roseanne tweets what she tweets. You're fired. 
There's a number of media people that have tweeted things. Jamel Hill is a recent example of that, that have gotten them suspended or fired. Okay, social media can cost you a lot of things. Social media can be great if used properly and respectfully. It can also be a loaded gun. As the great Herm Edwards would say, don't hit send, okay? So here you have an NBA executive who, according to the story, wasn't just using these burner accounts to monitor things. You look at some of the tweets that he had, some of the things that he said. It's like, why would you risk your position, which is a pretty sweet gig, which is determined by the success and failure of the teams on the court. And the Sixers are a team that are finally starting to pay off trust the process and have one of the best young cores in the NBA. And you're going to blow it because you had to make some comments on your burner Twitter account, which if it's on the Internet, it may take a while, but we will find you. Because somebody from the ringer noticed it, spent four months basically monitoring it, accumulating things, and then when they informed the 76ers of it, things moved quickly. The Sixers put out a statement today saying they're looking into it. They have confirmed that a couple of the accounts are his. This was not one of those, what are you talking about, fake news kind of things. Like They acknowledge something is happening and they are investigating it. And if they find that Colangelo had some of these burner accounts, then how do you keep him there? You cannot. By the way, weren't the Sixers like one of the teams LeBron James might consider going to? That's hot. Season? And I mean, LeBron's, think about this. Think about what the owner of the Cavs did when LeBron was on his way out, writing that letter in Comic Sans font. And then four years later, you know, all was forgiven. And LeBron was back and is now in his eighth straight NBA Finals appearance, third straight or fourth or fourth straight, pardon me, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So all people can be very forgiving about things, but if you're Brian Colangelo and you did this, that's a gots to go situation because you players are already skeptical. Players are already it's a fragile relationship between the front office and players. But if you had a GM out there doing these things, undermining his players anonymously, yeah, bye bye. It, it this saddens me in a way that Mike Greenberg has made it to the famous how long can I take a take segment, usually occupied by Skip Bayless or Will Kane or Stephen A. Smith, some of the real hot take artists That's hot. out there. So the fact that Greeny has made it here, at the risk of getting electric shocks from Bristol, considering they are banking a lot on this new morning show called Get Up on the television side of things, which Mike Greenberg left Mike and Mike to do, which and they are compensating him well to do, and I certainly don't blame him after 19 years of doing the same thing, of trying television, trying something new, trying something fresh. But if you have resorted to this, things are not going well. So start the clock. This is Mike Greenberg on what he feels is the greatest rivalry in sports history. Hit it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, say it along with me. What we are going to witness tomorrow night is the renewal of the greatest rivalry in the history of American sports. Mm. What? That is not an opinion. That is an undeniable fact in at least one way. No two teams in any sport have ever met to decide the title in four straight seasons. If that doesn't define a rivalry, I ask you what in the world possibly could. As of this week, the Cavaliers and Warriors will have met more times than the Celtics and Lakers did in the entire 80s. Magic and Larry essentially created March Madness in 1979, but then they played three finals in four years as pros, and that was it. Want to go to football? The most common Super Bowl matchup in history is Cowboys-Steelers. 
They've met a total of three times and never consecutively. The last time NFL teams played for the title three years in a row, it was the Lions and the Browns for crying out loud. So you know it was forever ago. It was so long, in fact, Bobby Lane wasn't wearing a face mask. The Canadians and Red Wings are hockey's only trilogy. They haven't met in three straight cup finals since the 50s. The goalies weren't wearing face masks. In baseball, the Yankees and Giants haven't met in three straight World Series since 1921 to 23. In the last of those, Lou Gehrig was a rookie. This stuff just doesn't happen often. Even okay, I'm going to stop it right there. We made it a minute and 13 into that. Earlier in that segment, Mike Greenberg said, if that doesn't define a rivalry, then I ask you what could. There's an easy answer to this question. Frequency is somewhere in that discussion. But because the Cavs and Warriors have now met, starting with, you know, if you include this year's finals, four straight times, that does now, I can't believe I even have to say this, that does not trump Duke, North Carolina, Yankees, Red Sox, Michigan, Ohio State as some of the best rivalries in sports. Four times, Michigan and Ohio State have been playing much longer than that. Duke, North Carolina, not only have played over a number of years, but look at the stats between those two and how close the record is, the scoring is. Look at the... Are, are Cavs fans camping out in tents in 20-degree weather to get tickets to this game? I, I understand what time of the year it is, but... How is this the greatest rivalry ever over even Celtics-Lakers, which was a rivalry born by the fact that both of those teams met each other in the NBA Finals as often as they did. But I would not think that Cavs fans would consider the Warriors their main rival, nor would I think the Warriors would consider the Cavs their rival. They're just the two best teams that are very successful and are now meeting in the NBA Finals for a fourth straight time. That does not bump some of the rivalries are I mentioned and others that I didn't. That doesn't even bump like those mini rivalries that always have the funky trophies in college football that you see, right? They're playing for the little brown jug. They're playing for the golden axe, and they've been doing it for 118 years here. I, I could list you 10 college rivalries that are better than Warriors Cavs, and that's just in football. This is a desperate plea to get people to watch an NBA Finals, which I've got news for you. They're going to watch. Like, you're set. You're good. LeBron James versus this Warriors team again. Some will kind of roll their eyes and be like, man, can't anybody else win this thing? But Boston and Houston certainly had their chances to do it, and both couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat from the three-point line in Game 7s, so they blew it. They had their shot, and they blew it. Cavs-Warriors is a lot of things. It is in no way, shape, or form the greatest rivalry in sports as we know it. That's hot. Call it something else. Call it many other things. A great finals, a like a, a movie series. Here we are for a fourth time. I mean, there are very creative people. I'm starting to feel electric shocks. There are very creative people doing a lot of creative things at ESPN that could come up with a much better title for this than a rivalry. It is not a rivalry. It is two teams that happen to be meeting in the finals again for the fourth time. How does the Cavaliers-Warriors rivalry compare to the civil conflict? Civil conflict is better. Like, go through them all. Name me UCF any doesn't of those even acknowledge it. 
time rivalries. The South Florida Connecticut rivalry. Like they have a trophy <laughs> for that. That's even better. Except Central this. Florida I'm half just joking makes fun there. of them. Yeah, I'm half joking there, but. Where does this come from? And he like he like says, "Come at me, bro!" In there, when he's like, "What defines a rivalry?" That's easy. What defines a rivalry? Syracuse Georgetown. That's a rivalry. Okay, Cavs Warriors. You. Uh, it's just. I I don't know why I'm getting so frustrated by this. Part of the reason I'm getting frustrated by this is I watched that. And I'm going to get real deep on here, but I looked into Mike Greenberg's eyes and I just said, I don't believe you. This is just disingenuous crap to get people to share it and discuss it on the radio shows, which I fell in that trap and I am now doing. But I like the way we do it on this segment and how long can we take a take that we know is just manufactured and phony. Usually that's left to the Skip Baylesses of the world. Like, he, he, what he does now is like performance art. Like we expect him to find something wrong with LeBron James, no matter what LeBron James accomplishes this. Greeny, you are better than this. That is a garbage take. There is a place for Cavs Warriors. There is historical significance to this that we should recognize and we will watch and ESPN will get great ratings for. So why are we saying, forget all those, all... To forget everything else that has happened in the history of sport and that has marked great rivalries, that have split families, that have, you know, Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, Georgetown, all the great college rivalries, even some pro rivalries. It does not mean it beats those. Just, no, stop it. We may have short attention spans these days, and I know a lot of people kind of live in the right now and only remember what happened 10 minutes ago, but even those people know, like, dude, seriously? And on that note, we will break. Look at Chris Fedora's opinion on this. He covers the Cleveland Cavaliers. Perhaps I'm wrong on this. Perhaps Cavs-Warriors is has is, is topped Michigan-Ohio State in, in the great state of Ohio in the rivalry realm. We're on Tyus Watch. Nothing yet. We will let you know as soon as we know. Stanley Cup tonight. We'll get into that, plus a little bit more on uh, the news today that we mentioned. Some new owners in the place. McNabb uh, for the radio analyst gig. Plus, I you know that Syracuse is getting a lot of money from the ACC, right? Well, how much money did they get this time, and where does it rank? And why are they still falling short in a certain category? $25 million is $25 million, but it's interesting how Syracuse has some ground to make up in the financial department, and there's an easy way they can do that. So we'll tell you about that coming up next hour. A lot to do. Hang in there. You're on the block. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. No, 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 hit it again. Hit it it again. Mm. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. A couple of these 80s bumps, man. I don't know how they stay in there. We're still on Tyus Watch. Nothing official. It's 5.27 p.m. Do you know where Tyus Battle's decision is? So, we discussed this a little earlier, but just to circle back on it a little bit. Look, we know what the circumstances of the decision are. If he remains at Syracuse, he comes back to a loaded guard position, which is strange to say because Syracuse was so thin at guard last year due to injuries and 
things that happened during the course of the season that Tyus and Frank Howard had to play 40 minutes a game every game, and you'd kind of look over your shoulder, and there'd be nobody there to spell them due to injury and other reasons. Oh, do we have it? Do we sound the alarm? Are we sounding the official alarm? All right. Just as I'm starting to get into this conversation, Jeff Goodman of ESPN is reporting that Tyus Battle will return to Syracuse, a source telling ESPN. As it's happening, we're telling you that's according to the first report we saw is Jeff Goodman. If anybody else is reporting it, then uh, we want to give them proper credit. But the first uh, report we have seen, Jeff Goodman, ESPN, saying the Tyus battle will return to Syracuse, according to a source. All right. So, as I said, no matter what the decision was, you know what the circumstances of it are. So, Tyus returns to a guard position that includes... Frank Howard, incoming Jalen Carey, Howard Washington Jr., of course, the incoming Buddy Beheim, Elijah Hughes, can play guard, can play a little forward, kind of a versatile player, which would be good for Syracuse because they uh, need a little help at forward next year, even with Robert Braswell coming in to go along with Merrick Dolzhai and O'Shea Brissett and, of course, Pascal and Barama Sidibe. So this would certainly help absorb the blow of losing a player like Darius Baisley. Because now Syracuse, I think, with Tyus Battle returning for his junior season, that's a preseason top 25 team. That's a first-round talent, potentially, now in the 2019 draft in Tyus Battle. Another first-round talent who I think is going to play himself certainly into that in O'Shea Brissett. Experience at guard. Merrick Dolzhai had an amazing end-of-season and postseason you see what Carey brings to the table. You hope Howard Washington Jr. is healthy. You've got Hughes, who was killing it in practice, hitting from the three-point line. So you've got a great backcourt that now has, you know, you don't have to play Tyus and Frank all four minutes a game. You can create a little rotation. You can use them at the proper times in the game. Breakout play from O'Shea Brissett. If Pascal and Barama continue to improve at the rate that, and, and stay healthy, of course, because Barama's recovering from a knee injury and Pascal just fought through a number of injuries last year. I think you got a preseason top 25 team there. So as uh, it is breaking, John Rothstein also reporting this, and Rothstein and Jeff Goodman have gone kind of back and forth today playing this game. John Rothstein now also saying that Tyus Battle will return to Syracuse for his junior season. He had until 11.59 p.m. tonight to make that decision. And that decision has come down officially official at, we'll, we'll call it a 525, I believe, these tweets started to circulate. So what Syracuse gets back now, by the way, are all five starters. We know how thin this team was and how it came down to the wire, of course, with the injuries that we were just mentioning and, and you know the lack of depth that was there for this team. But what you get back are all five starters from what turned into a Sweet 16 team. And it certainly was a unique path to the Sweet 16. Syracuse was the last team in. They were the 68th team out of 68. They went to the play-in game. They beat Arizona State, then beat TCU, then beat Michigan State. And a very big surprise when they moved on to Detroit, 
lost to Duke, of course, in the Sweet 16 in a game that Syracuse was competitive in, but I think we knew it was kind of overmatched given how good Duke was a year ago. But you've got all five starters back from a Sweet 16 team, and you have two what I think will be first-round picks next year. Now the Tyus battle returns, and O'Shea Brissett comes back. Tyus worked out for the Nets, the Knicks, the Clippers, the Lakers just yesterday, the Orlando Magic. He had until 11.59 p.m. tonight to make that decision. And look, as we've been saying, Tyus was smart about this the whole way. He went into the draft process without hiring an agent. He gave himself an out. And, you know, we've been saying this all along, that there's just certain ways you can read this, certain buzz that builds, there's certain tea leaves you can read that says that is going to equal you being a first-round pick. And I think Tyus just had a really tough battle to ensure himself being a late first-round pick if he wanted that. If he simply wanted to get drafted, he would get drafted. Latest ESPN mock draft that came out today had him as the 40th overall pick. That's a, you know, about 10 picks into the second round. But if you wanted to be a first-round pick, there's just so many other guards, it's a deeper draft, it would just be something that would be hard for Tyus to do. He had individual workouts. He had the NBA Combine in Chicago that provided him the opportunity to stand out there and maybe work his way into the first round, and it just didn't appear that that happened. So we'll, I'm sure, hear from Tyus. He'll maybe put out a statement on Twitter or uh, you know, social media, and uh, there'll be a reaction, I'm sure, from Jim Beheim and others to come here. But the news just coming out there, Jeff Goodman, Reporting, John Rothstein reporting, uh, social media now all over it, that Tyus Battle is, in fact, returning for his junior season at Syracuse. Instant reaction out there in the world. We knew this guy would certainly have an opinion or two on that. 437-7644 to react to the news. Pat in Syracuse, ready to roll on this big news. What do you think, Pat? I think if there were too many days like this, it would be very uh, very bad for my career in terms of productivity this <laughs> afternoon. That's what I think. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's one piece for you. Um, you know, this, this this is a big-time thing. I mean, we've been getting the talent that Bayheim needs for a system. We haven't been able to retain them. So so to be able to retain Tyus Battle is, is huge. And to, to, to go another step further, you got to start at the top. Villanova lost all four of their players. Now, granted, they, they won two championships, so they – the whole team could leave and the fan base is going to be happy, but you got to be ecstatic. Um, I think with Jalen Carey and his upside and uh, Hughes, this is the deepest backcourt we've ever had in the history of Syracuse basketball because we didn't even talk about Howard Washington or Buddy Bayon. So, I mean, you got five guys for two or three spots. You very rarely have that problem, so that's a nice problem to have. Could, couldn't be happier. Uh, now it's officially the offseason. That's all I got to say for today, Brent. And uh, we have the whole offseason to dissect the fact that this is a top 10 preseason team. We appreciate uh, Tyus doing this in a timely manner so I can watch the hockey game uninterrupted and don't have to stay up till 11.59 p.m. Uh, and you said something that we'll discuss a little bit more because I do have to sneak in another break here. But you go from a backcourt that was just depleted and, you know, guys were running on fumes to one of the deeper backcourts you've had in recent memory. So the news is being reported. It has not been confirmed officially. I haven't seen anything on Tyus's account or anything from Syracuse, but uh, both Jeff Goodman and John Rothstein, who uh, have been reporting this stuff all day, 
with other players who are on the clock with deadline day here are reporting that Tyus Battle will return to Syracuse next year. More on that to come, of course. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Kind of an appropriate bump there, right? Syracuse is still alive. Be in the preseason, what? Top 25? Trim it down to the top 20? Even top 10? One of the questions abound with highest battle news finally out there, according to Jeff Goodman, according to John Rothstein. Reports in, according to sources. From both of those gentlemen. The Tyus Battle's back. He will return to the Orange Forest junior season. Now, um, we're monitoring official uh, channels. Nothing from Syracuse basketball as of yet. Nothing from Tyus Battle's social media as of yet. But uh, Rothstein and Goodman are not wrong on these things. When they get, and they've been reporting the players that have been on the same deadline that Tyus has been on all day, and they've gotten them all right. So, I think you can pretty much take it to the bank. According to those gentlemen, the Tyus battle is coming back. We'll wait for official word from Syracuse or from Tyus himself or from other sources that are involved in this and not just reporters. But uh, it appears that uh, Syracuse has all five of its starters back from a Sweet 16 team. We heard from Pat, so of course, naturally, uh, Dro and Clay next up on the block to chime in on the news. Drew, what's happening, man? Not much. 91 degrees. I thought we'd talk a little soccer, bocce, but baseball, but we'll put that in the back burner. Um, big news, obviously, coming out, if this holds up to be true, which I think at this point we can say it is. Um, I, my first opinion all along was that Tyus Bell wanted to go pro. I think people in his inner circle, including his parents, siblings, whoever his relatives, whoever you have, high school coaches, whatever, I don't think one person told him he should have gone. If he had a couple of people tell him to go, he would have left a long time ago. Do I, you know, I, I, it's a tough decision for a kid to make at 21 years old. You know, he's, he wants to play in the NBA. Reality is, as you have said all week, Brent, the, class, the draft is weaker next year. Tyus Bell, at best, might have been a second-round pick, probably playing the G League with Darius Baisley this year. Why not come back to Syracuse? And if, you, if it's the same thing next year, you play the G League next year. But you have a better chance, I think, to improve your stock next year with less guards coming out, especially Dante DiVincenzo leaving and the Herder kid from Maryland going. He's behind all those guys. Next year, make a name for yourself next year. Maybe be a late first-round pick, early second-round pick next year. Improve your stock. That's my take. Happy to have him back. I don't like when people leave and people bash him. We, you know, we, we I, I, I'm just glad he's coming back, and I think this is a this is a big bonus next year. I'm gonna tell you right next next now for next year, Brent. Sweet 16 minimal. That's my expectation. Sweet 16 minimal. I think that's fair because and I want bigger things, though, Brent. We're not selling for. We're going big. We'll go big or go home, baby. I think that's fair. I think it's fair because the the team last year made the Sweet 16, and every team tells a different story. Thanks for the call, as always, my friend. 
every team, every season is different. But, you know, you had a team that was scraping by, barely putting six players out there that made a Sweet 16 run. And that's great that Syracuse teams that, you know, have lower expectations tend to, you know, exceed them. But, you know, you've got a, a pretty deep team coming back next year that you could set a bar and say, you know, fair uh, health and, and other, you know, unforeseen circumstances coming to fruition. But I think that's a fair expectation to have. I think that's a preseason top 20 team with Tyus Battle back in the fold. And you brought up the process and improving your stock. Look, the thing about ne- the next year's draft was weaker. Part of this process is you've got to strike when the iron's hot. I think Malachi Richardson is a prime example of that. His stock just ballooned late in the season, particularly after that huge game against Virginia in the NCAA tournament. It was never going to be better than it was at that moment. You would think. He could, could he come back the next year and improve on it? Sure he could. But it felt like you strike when the iron's hot. Tyler Ennis is another prime example of, is your stock going to get better? Because there are players that come back and their stock drops. And I'll give you an example, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen wrote it out. He stayed. He came back to improve on his stock, and he didn't. Grayson Allen would have been a much higher pick had he left two years ago than what he is now, which is projected late first-rounder. Now he's still a first-round pick. I think it'll work out for him in that standpoint, but if the goal is to be a lottery pick or go high, then, you know, coming back did not work out for him. The one thing that is going to be interesting now is we all know next year is the last year, right? The understanding is this is it. Whereas, you know, you can project and think, and maybe this could be this last year's guy, and, you know, the NBA projections get to where they are, and I brought up a couple examples of players that were late in the game. We knew that with Tyler Lydon last year. There was talk after his freshman year, similar to with Tyus, like, ooh, maybe he could sneak into the first round, but would probably be better off coming back. He did. He did improve his stock. He didn't get injured. He, you know, checked all the boxes there. Tyler was in a different situation in that, you know, he's a measurables guy. He has a prototype stretch for. He was somebody that just kind of had to fill out what people thought he was. He left at the right time. So not that I don't think Tyus can handle this because he knows the game. He works at the game. He just spent a month working out for NBA teams with other prospective NBA players, knowing what he's got to work on on his game next year, both individually and team-wise. He knows what it takes to go through an NBA workout, what kind of questions NBA people ask him, the feedback that he got. It, it was smart from the beginning. Don't hire an agent. Get through the workouts. Get yourself invited to Chicago. He was good enough of a prospect to you know, have that intrigue from NBA people there. He played this perfectly. He played this perfectly right up until not only the last minute in terms of today. He had a workout yesterday. He had as informed a decision as a player can get from people that he trusts, from his coaches, from NBA people, from pretty much everybody that you could get counsel from in this. You leave yourself an out. You leave yourself an option. You leave yourself a parachute to come back. He did it. And now Syracuse basketball fans, not that they aren't usually excited, but now maybe a little more excited about next season than they were, say, an hour ago. We'll wrap it up next. Stay right there. You're on the block. Thank you. Bye-bye.